This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and I'm sick. (laughs) Just so you know, that in case I sound like I'm going through puberty at some point, um, it's just because I'm sick. I was going to record some stuff earlier in the week, but I I had this really low voice, and it it sounded inappropriate somehow. (laughs) Anyways, uh, this week, uh, on this week's episode, we're going to talk about how to help your kid with chat and catch when you are very much still on the journey. Uh, uh, We're going to answer a question from a listener about helping toddlers tell the difference between pretend and real when it comes to God. Uh, Lucy Rycroft, one of the friends of Parenting for Faith, is a prolific blogger and a mom who's just written a book about Advent. And uh, so we're going to interview her. And as always, there's a question to start an interesting conversation. Uh, first of all, I just want to remind you, we got a whole bunch of Facebook lives coming up. If you're like, oh, listening to Rachel isn't enough. I need to see her tired face. <laughs> then we got some Facebook lives for you uh, on uh, Monday, November 18th in the evening for our parent uh, bedtime drinks with Rachel. We are answering, well, we're looking at the topic of navigating friendship drama. If you're a parent or a grandparent, or anybody who ever has to deal with children. Friendship drama is a part of your life, and we're going to talk about who is God and all of that and how to coach our kids through it. So we're going to focus on 0 to 5s and then 5 to 11s and 11 to 14s. Check out the Facebook page, uh, Parenting for Faith BRF, and you'll be able to see that. Uh, we also have, uh, if you're a youth and children's worker or anybody who works for a church, uh, on Tuesday, November 12th, we're doing a webinar during the day, sort of lunchtime with me, uh, where we're talking about being in it for the long haul and uh, how to sustain life and your soul being alive uh, during it. And then uh, if you're a parent or anybody uh, who's looking at maybe running a course for your friends, for people at church, and you just want a bit more information and some encouragement uh, of how to get started, Thursday, November 21st, uh, our local church's coordinator, Becky Sedgwick, is uh, doing a running a course Facebook Live. So join us for any of those. But first, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit with you about um, chat and catch. Chat and catch is uh, essentially a, a way of pray, helping your kids pray and connect with God in their own way. Uh, we believe that heart connection between God and kids is really important for them to establish their own little um their own little heart-to-heart pattern of life together. And our role as parents is to help our children develop that connection with God so all of his goodness um, can just flow into them, his love and his power and his voice and his guidance and his comfort and his truth and all those things our kids need. If we can help our children establish that heart-to-heart connection with God and a pattern of communication with him, then they can access all the things that God longs for them to have. And uh, if you want to know more about Chat and Catch, check out Parenting for Faith website or 
for the course. There's a free course that has a whole session on chat and a whole session on catch uh, on how to help our kids establish that conversational prayer. Um, but uh, we as parents can feel a massive pressure when it comes to the prayer life of our kids. And there's this phrase out there that I hear everywhere that, that well, they basically say, you can't pass on what you don't have to your children. And on one hand, I I can agree with that. Um, but overwhelmingly, I just feel a sort of no, because that adds a massive pressure to us as parents to have this spiritual stuff all figured out, that, that somehow if we believe that we can't pass on to our kids what we don't have, then there's this pressure for us to be perfect and have sorted out our questions and to have a fantastic prayer life. And I guess I just don't believe that my, where I am in my faith journey is the limit of what my kid can have in their connection with God. Because to be honest, my child's connection with God doesn't go through me. It's not dependent on me. It's dependent on God's faithfulness to them and their response to him. And I get to couch them in their relationship, but it it doesn't go through me. So therefore my experiences aren't the center of my kids. And so I, I guess I just want to say that it's okay if you're very much still on the journey. My husband is a gymnastics coach. He coaches gymnastics. He coaches kids flipping around and doing flippy whippies and all sorts of stuff that he absolutely cannot do. (laughs) My husband cannot do a double back twisting somersault thingamajiggy. He cannot do that. But he absolutely knows how to coach other children and how to do that because he's positioned himself. He knows how to teach them all the little steps. He knows how to catch them when they fall. He knows what he's looking for. He knows how to coach them. And whether or not his body can do that is completely separate to him being able to coach them to do that. And I think as parents. We're on our own individual journey, but we can learn those skills to coach our children so that maybe they can go farther than we can in this season of our lives. And that's great. So I just want to sort of relieve that pressure. Go on the journey of connecting with God for yourselves at your own pace with no pressure that it's dependent, your kids' lives are dependent on it. It's God wants to have a connection with you because he wants to have a connection with you. And he wants to have a connection with your kids because he wants to have a connection with your kids. And you can help coach them in that without having to be perfect at it. Um, And so I just wanted to just remind you that your journey is powerful and important. And and it's helpful for your kids in terms of coaching them because your journey is significant, but it's not the center of it. And so if you want to learn the skills of coaching your kids in Chat and Catch, go onto the website and access those things. But I just wanted to say that where you are in your journey is important to your kids. Um, if you think about in your past, just pick randomly three times of your connection with God, your journey of connection with God. Um, like for me, I'd say my three significant moments or when I was nine and I had my first like face to face with me in God time. And, and I have, I have such tangible memories of what it felt like and what I was feeling. And, 
I, I had very little words, but I just wanted to worship God for the next years. It was just, it was this intangible connection. And as a teenager, that was when I discovered I could make God laugh and I could tell him jokes and he was funny and he, we'd converse and we'd talk back and forth. And I discovered that in my teen life. And I can remember specific moments where that was key. And as an adult, I'd say one of the most significant connection times was when I was, um, uh, right after my cancer surgery and I was just in this little bubble of pain and he was in the bubble with me and I learned how to be in excruciating pain with God. And that was, that was a significant connection point for me. Uh, my journey has been up and down and there have been times of quiet and struggle and that's okay. Your kids are on their journey of life with God and they're their seasons will be short and long and on top of mountaintops of wonderfulness and learning. And we can encourage them in whatever season they are in. You can be the coach, even if you've never been in their specific specific circumstance before, because you can create windows and you can share what you've learned and you can respect their autonomy and you can equip them to handle the bumps and you can coach them in it. And you can also share your journey in real time of what you're going through now so they can see that they're on their journey and you're on yours and you can help coach them to have the best relationship with God that they can have as you go on yours. So be encouraged. Side by side is important. You got this. And uh, God has great things for your kids. Okay, question time. Um, you guys have been really great at sending in um, questions, and I'm really grateful because I love hearing your questions. So if you have questions, please email through the, the, the website. Just go to parentingforfaith.org and go to contact us. We love hearing your questions. Or put it up on Facebook, however. And, uh, and this week, we have a parent who says this. Hello, I'm listening to your podcast. Yay, I'm glad and felt encouraged to email in my question. A few days ago during lunch, my three-year-old said to me, oh, mummy, God's pretend. She was, I was suddenly aware that my daughter sees God like one of the characters in her stories. She loves reading her Bible, will tell me Bible stories, and asks to pray for friends. I know she's still so little, but do you have any tips for explaining to a toddler how the God we cannot see is absolutely real? <laughs> And uh, I just want to say, yeah, I've been there. We've all been there. It's a sort of horrifying feeling, isn't it? Oh, man. Uh, I just want to thank you, one, for writing it in. But two, I just want to assure you that that the real weirdness about being a parent is that our kids' brains are changing all the time. And so it's not like we get this fixed kid who then we can fix everything uh, around them and sort of then it'll stick. <laughs> so um, I just want to assure you that there are waves of kids' brain development. And right now you are riding a wave of brain development and there are loads of things you can do to help. Um, under fives, is all about establishing reality. They are trying to figure out what is real in this world, how to engage with it. They're trying to understand it. That's why you have to explain absolutely everything. Uh, it is exhausting for us, but it's because their brains are establishing what is real, what isn't, how to engage with something, um, where they're powerful, where they're not. They're trying to make sense of it all. And so um, I just, I, have, I guess I have three things to, to help you with. One, don't worry. 
This is the season. So it's not like something has gone wrong. It's that you have correctly identified the season that you're in. And so that's what's happening now. Imagination, imaginary friends, when they're playing with, you know, two spoons that become two people that are, you know, rescuing other people. They are just an imagination world. They're making weird, weird connections, causal connections, like, I don't want to go to hospital because I'll die in hospital because people die in hospital once. It, 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 their brains are all over the place trying to make connections. And that is great because you get to join them in that and help tie those things together. So one thing that is really helpful with that is that you may want to up naming what is pretend and what is real. So as you're watching any television program, you can go, wait a minute, is this pretend story or is this a real story? Or when you're reading any book, go, wait, is this a pretend story or a real story? Real is something that is is happening now or did really happen. Just like yesterday, we really went to the store. Um, but yesterday, we pretended to ride on unicorns. We didn't really ride on unicorns, but we used our imaginations to pretend that we did. But we did go to the grocery store. And you can become, as you're having to talk about everything anyways, begin to name things as they're happening. Oh, we're eating this food. Is it real food or pretend food? Because, you know, the amount of pretend cakes I've eaten in my life. And to just name those things so that, that the categories of real and pretend get quite significant. So that then when you read the Bible, you can say, oh, wait, is this a real story or a pretend story? And is God a real person or a pretend person? You can begin to... Um, ask those questions because that's the first thing. It's it, Sometimes it's less to do with whether or not they can see it with their eyes and more to do with just the categories of real and pretend and growing in that. And some kids get this really easily and some don't. Um, this is a development thing. Yes, sometimes it's personality and creativity. Uh, and so uh, I don't know your child. You may want to reflect on how uh, you want to handle things like Santa and Easter Bunny and Tooth Fairy. Um, many kids can handle that sort of confusion of real and pretend and us saying it's real, but it's really pretend and game, all of that. Some kids can handle that. Many kids can't handle that and depends on where you feel is right for you and your kid in terms of establishing real and pretend. Um, but one, label stuff. Uh, two, um, you, if you feel like it is about the not being able to see thing, there are lots of things that we can't see, but we know are real. Now, the classic one is like air. You know, <laughs> I'm breathing something, but I can't see it until it gets steamy. Uh, so you can go through that if you want wind. Uh, but I find it's also helpful things like grandma talking on the phone from the other room or just when daddy um, or mummy calls when they come home. Um, we hear their voice, but we can't see them. But do we know they're real? Yes. Why do we know they're real? Well, because we've had experiences with them, you know, all of those different things. Um, just because we can't see them doesn't mean it's not real. Uh, also, interesting things like science are helpful, like electricity. I turn on the light because electricity is real. If there's there's something that's invisible that makes all this stuff get powered. It's amazing. Or gravity, I fall down. Uh, and so there are lots of things we can't see that are real. But the second thing is to say that you know God is real because what? 
you know God is real because he talks to you, he comforts you, because when you're sad, you feel like he's holding you, uh, because you read about him and you know that it's true. You know, how, how, whatever your experience is, explain why you know God is real. And then the third, the, the last part of this whole can't see but real thing is act as if God is in the room because he is. And so often, um, you know, when grandma's in the room or grandpa's in the room, we, uh, say hello and we talk to them and we play with them and we show them stuff and we we they we know they're real because we interact with them and often what happens with kids is that we don't interact with god uh, in everyday life so the only exposure they have to god is in these very um confined experiences of prayer or of um of reading the Bible. And so it seems like something that is turned on and off again, rather than a, a relationship with a being that is in existence around them. So have a think just of how you can treat God as if he's real, because he is real, whether it's when they fall over being, oh, God, look at her leg. Oh, she hurt her leg. God, let's show God, show God what it is. Or when you come in in the morning, morning, Jesse, morning, Jesus, how you doing? Uh, whatever it is, uh, just realize you're establishing reality for your child. And therefore treat God as if he's in the room because he is. Show him stuff. Talk to him. Uh, invite him to sit down next to you as you watch television. Uh, so treat him as if he's real. So that then begins to um, weave into your child's pattern that God is a, a real person who is present uh, in the space. Uh, and the other thing is um, check out Unwinding Wrong Views of God episode on the course on the Parenting for Faith uh, website. That can be a really helpful tool of because essentially under five's life, well, all of life is sort of helping our kids unwind where they've slightly got it wrong with God. And there's some tools in there uh, that can help you on that. So I hope that uh, helps. Uh, you're doing a great job. It's a fun season. Enjoy the season uh, because it's great that you get to establish this foundational stuff of how your kid thinks about God and knows God and sees God and interacts with God. That's going to last not only a lifetime, but for all eternity. So all of these little bumps and warps and and trying to figure it all out is, is a great part of your call. And it sounds like you're doing a great job. And for our wild card section, uh, Lucy Rycroft blogs about faith and adoption and food and family life. And uh, she's a really great and wise woman. And you can follow her writings if you like reading blogs and things. She's great. Uh, her sort of online Facebook thing is called Desert Mum. And uh, she is fantastic. She's the parent of four children. Uh, her husband's a vicar of a church. And she has recently written a book called Redeeming Advent, which is written with the exhaustion of family life and Christmas in mind. And so our national coordinator, Anna Hawkins, sat down to have a chat with her. You have written a book. Firstly, congratulations. That Thank must you. feel like such an epic achievement to have written a whole book and actually have it published. Um, yeah. So it's called Redeeming Advent and it's out now. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it and what led you to write it? Yeah, um, I wrote it because I found it so hard to focus on Jesus in the run up to Christmas. I don't know if I'm alone. In fact, I think I'm probably not alone in this. You um, are not alone. You are definitely good. not alone. Hooray. There's two of us. There's you and me. <laughs> and <laughs> At possibly least. some others. Um, but you know what it's like? You've just got loads to do anyway. And then kind of on top of that, you've got all this additional stuff in, in December, you know, to do. You've got presents to find, you know, people who are hard to buy for. You're trying to cajole the kids into signing their names on this huge 
huge stack of Christmas cards that never seems to get any lower. And then school comes along and you've got this whole new level of Christmas craziness with plays and, you know, nativity plays and concerts and all that kind of um, shamas. And it's just kind of this huge whirlwind of activity and stuff to do. And and I think as Christmas this focus on Jesus but it's just so difficult to do because these things threaten to take over so mm. I wrote this book originally it started out as blog posts on my blog a couple of years mm-hmm. ago and then um, it got quite heavily edited and polished last year I was doing it in that really hot summer we had last year so that was fun writing about Christmas and Advent when, when I was like sweating oh, away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's not about scrapping every single fun thing to do at Christmas you know it's not about sort of saying oh let's not do presents this year or let's not you know have any decorations it's not about that at all it's about taking these aspects of Christmas and using them to glorify God and just kind of realigning our focus which is what I wanted from Christmas two years ago and what I've written about and what I hope other people will get from this Christmas. Yeah brilliant so um what what exactly will we find in the book? So if someone hasn't got it in front of them right now, can you give us a little preview or a, a taste of the sort of thing to expect? So it's a devotional, which means there's a little bit for every day of Advent. So December the 1st to the 24th. Um, you don't have to read them all. <laughs> I won't be checking up on you. Um, but there's a, a little bit each day to read if you'd like to. And each one is roughly the length of a blog post. So it's quite manageable. Probably most of us mm. will read, you know, equivalent to that every day anyway. And I think the thing that's maybe a bit more unique about this devotional is that each day starts with an anecdote to do with something you'll recognize from Advent. And it will be something really like run of the mill, like shopping for gifts or, you know, maybe something that you do every Christmas, like going to see the lights or possibly if you're in my family getting to December the 23rd and having your child present a long list of things they'd like for Christmas <laughs> that doesn't have any, <laughs> you know, any uh, similarity to what they gave you at the start of the month, that kind of thing. So it's all these yeah. kind of things that, you know, make Christmas stressful, make Christmas busy. And then that anecdote is used as a launch pad into a biblical reflection. So each day includes some Bible, plus some suggested questions and a prayer which you can use if it's helpful. But I think the thing that maybe is unique about it is that it starts from where you're at in a busy December. It doesn't go straight to the spiritual. It starts from the sort of mundane, the everyday, the busy, the chaotic, and it takes you into the Bible from there. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, you've clearly spent a lot of time thinking about this, but you've also really lived it. You've done, uh, well, 10 Decembers now with at least one little person. And um, (laughs) just thinking of us coming up to the Christmas season and Advent, do you have any kind of top tips for surviving the season with little ones? Yeah, um, I think my tip after my many years of experience um, would be um, put the blinkers on and put your child's blinkers on as well. And by that, I mean, um, have a focus, know what you're Mm. doing this Advent, know who you're celebrating and kind of, again, like I said before, I'm not saying don't go and see Santa or don't go to the Panto or anything like that, but have this kind of aim of what you're trying to get to on or around December the 25th, you know, because actually there's a huge amount of stuff and I can't swear on this podcast, I see, but you know, there's a huge amount of rubbish, (laughs) let's just say that, that goes during December, isn't there? And and I've seen in 10 years, you know, more and more family traditions start, not my family, but you know, things that you see on Pinterest or that would be lovely to do, you know, the elf on the shelf or the 
you know, a Christmas, the Eve. Christmas Eve box. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Or all the books, 24 books. Oh, I've got I, no time for that. Who's got time? Who's got money? Who's got, you know, so there's all this stuff. And I'm not saying don't do any of it, but I think if we have this idea of putting the blinkers on, of going kind of straight through Advent towards Jesus, then we can enjoy some of these things, but we're not going to allow them to distract us or take our attention away from the worship of Jesus this Christmas. And I think even, even as adults, it's very difficult to focus on Jesus at Christmas. But for children, who, especially young children, who see things a lot more in black and white, it's even harder, I think, um, not to be kind of confused by all the stuff going, going on. And so I'm really mm. passionate about this because I just feel that our kids need that help in like establishing what's important. Like I always said right from when our kids were really tiny that I never wanted them confused about what we were celebrating at Christmas. And actually repeating yeah. that mantra to myself every Advent or in the lead up to Advent helps me because then I don't feel stressed about, oh, we haven't done this as a family or we haven't done that or, you know, everyone's gone to this place to see Santa and we haven't. I'm not stressing out about that because I'm thinking, well, that's mm. that's fine, but that's not really for our family. We're, we're you know, we're doing Jesus this Christmas and, and yeah, we do a lot of, you know, the secular things as well. And, and that's great, but I think our focus remains Jesus. And I think that's so important. So yeah, get ready to, I think, know what you want from Christmas and get ready to navigate your child through and put those blinkers on. Yeah. Brilliant. That's so helpful. And um, what about really specific things? Is there anything that maybe you've tried as a family or you've heard about from someone else um, that's really helped your kids to connect with God in that chaotic Christmas season? So one thing that we do, um, and it's not our idea, I'm very grateful to Elaine Storkey and amongst various people who um, teach this, but we talk about Santa as St. Nicholas. So that's mm. kind of how we get around the Santa thing and how we do Santa. And, and I won't even say it's, well, I just have, haven't I? I've just said it's how we get around Santa. But I think <laughs> it's more than that. As I've actually mentioned it in the book that it, it's, it's kind of a, a really intrinsic part of our Christmas celebrations now every Advent because it's not just how we put up with Santa, but it's actually bringing Santa or St. Nicholas right into the centre of our celebrations because St. Nicholas was a real person. Um, he loved God. He was very generous. He didn't have very much, but he lived generously um, in his community. He gave to the poor. He gave his time and his love. And I just think that's such a picture of well, Jesus, <laughs> and who, yeah. what we're celebrating, you know, at Christmas, he had so little, but he devoted his life to serving his community. And I just think the example of St. Nicholas is such a great one to share with our children at Christmas. Um, so when we talk about Santa, we say, well, you know, Santa was a real person. He was St. Nicholas, and we celebrate him now as Santa. He's gone to be with Jesus now, but he was a real person, and we can kind of keep his memory on as we do Santa. Um, mm. Another thing uh, that we're going to try this year, so I can't tell you that it's gone brilliantly because we haven't tried it yet, but I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a, a Jesse tree, which uh, some of you might already do, I'm sure. Uh, we've never tried it. Um, I think we had a go when our kids were little, and it was maybe a little bit too complicated. But I think this year they're just that bit older. And I wanted to have a kind of daily focus for our family. And a Jesse mm. tree, there's, if people aren't aware, there's a sort of ornament to pick out every day. And each ornament tells a different bit of the story from creation right through to the coming of Jesus. So I mm. think that would be a lovely way to kind of help them see the wider narrative of the Bible from the start right up to Jesus. So, yeah, I'm optimistic about that. Yeah, that's something we've tried that's been that's worked really well, actually. Um, oh, cool. But uh, with focusing on the 
connecting with God bit and having the whole story of the Bible. The first time I did it, I was really ambitious and we had a thing to colour and a felt thing to stick on and there were all these different <laughs> elements and it was yeah. way too ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we just stuck to let's read some of the Bible and kind of get some of the big picture and where Jesus coming fits in, that really helped. Yeah. Um, and don't worry if you miss a day, paraphrase a story, you know, skip a bit yeah. out. Um, just let yourself off the hook a little bit. But to have, have that big picture, I think it was really helpful. I think so. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head as well about how Christmas traditions that lead to Jesus, they don't have to be stressful. And, you know, in my blogging, in my writing, I never, ever want to put any more stress on people than they already have, you know, to do more yeah. things. Um, but I think I think we find as we focus on Jesus at Christmas, that a lot of that stress kind of sort of melts away, really, because... Um, like you say, you know, if you're focusing on Jesus, it doesn't really matter if you're making this or doing this from scratch or whatever. Actually, when you strip it down and you're just doing the Bible passages and the ornaments, that's that's enough, actually, for our kids. And that makes it a whole less stressful where I think some Christmas traditions just get a little bit too stressful, too time consuming. You get stressed, your kids get stressed. No one wants to do it, you know, and you might manage to sort of snap a Pinterest moment you know <laughs> you know that the story behind that picture is very very different so yeah I think I think it lets go of a lot of the stress I think when we're just kind of keeping Christmas quite simple yeah absolutely and if people want to buy the book and find out more about you follow you on social media how can they do that so the book is called redeeming advent and you can buy it from eden wordery amazon all your favorite online retailers so just um tap it into google and see what comes up um mm -hmm. you can also uh join my mailing list if you'd like to my website is lucyrycroft.com rycroft without an e and you can sign up to my mailing list there there's a whole load of freebies um i've written an ebook called 30 ways to pursue God through the exhaustion of parenthood or something like that I always get the title wrong because it's so flipping long I don't know why I made it so long <laughs> that's a free ebook e that you get when you sign up there's loads more freebies in there printables things on helping you to choose a school um, affirmations and prayer cards and things for, for difficult days there's loads of things in there um, and you get a, a Friday night email with uh, some extra resources as well so you can do that on there. I'm Desert Mum on Facebook and I'm Desert Mum blog on Instagram and Twitter. And it is brilliant. It's such helpful and such relevant stuff. Um, if you're not already following Lucy, do that. The number of times I think, oh, I'm just struggling with this or thinking about it. And then it pops up uh, Lucy's latest blog post or freebie <laughs> or something. So I'd really encourage you to do that. Thanks, Thanks so much, Lucy. Have a great Christmas. You too. Thanks for having me. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid is sometimes we uh, always try to aim for positive stuff, which I find actually less interesting sometimes than the negative. So uh, here's a negative. Well, I don't know if it's a negative question. It's an honest question to ask your kid. What worship song do you really not like and why? Have a great conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.